0: God, thank you that death has been beaten, uh, that we can live in life, in true life. I pray that we would grow strong in that. Uh, I pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning, God, that you would speak through Michael, uh, that you would show us more of your life this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you may be seated, and while you were doing that, if you would turn to Exodus chapter 12. Sometimes I think we just need to let some of those words sink in. We sang in the, the first song after our, our prayer time that He made a way and that theme was sort of repeated in some of the songs. Um, we, just, we need to understand that we did not have a way, that if He did not make a way, um, then we don't have the ability to uh, even see Him, even get a glimpse of who He is, much less uh, decide to follow Him, much less be worthy of His love. If He didn't make a way for us, we would be hopeless and helplessly lost. And so it's not just something that we sing about and then we need to forget. We need to let that sort of percolate in the back of our minds. Not only this morning, but as we we leave. God made a way. He became Emmanuel, God with us. He walked with us and continues to pursue us through His Spirit um, that needs to, to impact us uh, and our thinking day in and day out, moment by moment. We are uh, putting aside for a few weeks as we walk through our statement of faith, um, this is the tradition you grew up in in the church, but uh, many traditions follow kind of the Christian calendar, and on Wednesday was the beginning of what we call Lent. Uh, these 40 days, not including Sundays, that lead up to Easter, uh, a time of preparation, a time of maybe renewed focus, um, a time of really of preparing our hearts that we might, if it's even possible, ado- ado- adequately, that's hard to say, uh, celebrate the resurrection. Um, part of that preparation is is thinking about uh, not only what God has done um that the resurrection actually means something, but, but who we are, that, that God would do that. A time of focus, a time of thinking about um, God and His pursuit of, of us. And so over the next six Sundays, we're going to spend time in Exodus chapter 12, um, looking at different aspects of um, really one of the most significant celebrations in all the nation of Israel, Passover. They had the Day of Atonement, uh, but in one sense, Passover was a much more significant celebration for them. It was, as we want to talk about, the beginning of the nation of Israel, is the beginning of, of them as a people, in one sense. Um, what's interesting is Jesus took that celebration, Passover, and instituted what is one of our most significant celebrations in the Christian life, and that's the Lord's Supper. He, he took that same idea and, and re-imaged it, so to speak. And so we're going to look the next six weeks at characteristics of both Passover and how those characteristics also apply to the Lord's Supper. And then what has that have to do with us today in the 21st century in Cherokee County? What difference does that make, should that make? And hopefully help prepare our hearts that we really can truly celebrate the resurrection and all that it means. And so we'll look at six different aspects of, of what uh, Exodus 12 talks about and what the Lord's Supper talk about. Um, they both talk about new beginnings. They both emphasize family and relationships. They both require preparation. They both required sacrifice. Um, they both called those that were participating in those to remember something. And they required repetition even though, even though the event that they were celebrating had come to an end. Right? The, the death angel that passed over the Israelites was a one-time deal and yet God told them to continue to remember that continue to rehearse that continue to repeat that right year after year after year the cross was a one-time event and yet jesus told them to continue to repeat and to rehearse that celebration of the lord's supper over and over again so we're going to talk about those six ideas those six categories um, over the next six weeks and again what that has to do with us today but before we get there, we need to, to set a little background. So would somebody be willing to read Second Corinthians chapter five verses sixteen through twenty one? Second Corinthians chapter five, sixteen through twenty one, someone with a loud voice read that out, please. No one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against Him, he has committed to us the Word of Reconciliation. Therefore, Thank you. Oh, Sorry. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were making an appeal to us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Him. Thank you. Sorry, I cut you off two verses too soon, I think. Um, a familiar passage probably to most of you. Some of you have some or all of that... Memorized. I want to think about the second, the second verse that he read. Um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away or old things are done or gone. That's a, that's a wonderful idea, right? You and I are new creations. God has made something new out of us if we are in Christ. And he says, the old things are gone. It's sort of when I, I don't know why, I don't know where this, this association came from, but when I read that passage, I always think of a new house. Walk into a new house and everything is, is new, right? The tub is clean, the floors are clean, it, there's this new smell. Everything's new. But it doesn't take very long for you to begin to track in the old, Right? And fairly soon you look around and go, I got to do some cleaning. And so you do that, and, and someone, or maybe you say, it looks just like new again, right? That's sort of how I think about this passage. He has made us new, but we are in the horrible habit of tracking in, bringing in the old. We bring in dirt, we bring in grime, we bring in all the stuff that contaminates. And so, you and I are, are in need of, on a regular basis, of making things look like new again. We are new, and yet, through time, through our own misdeeds, through our own sin, through our own neglect, dirt and grime and life build up, and it doesn't look new anymore. Even though God says the old things are gone, we have a a joy sometimes, I think, of bringing those old things back in. And so we need, you and I need, renewal. On a regular basis, on an ongoing basis. We need a deep cleaning to return ourselves to that, that point in time when all things were new sometimes we don't think that's true sometimes we um, we, we think everything's okay I want to ask you some questions see if you, this, this ever fits you um, they're, I think they're up here so what's the, I don't have the whole thing written down because they're too long have you felt the need to do or say something to someone to make them like you or think about you in a certain way you ever do that? You ever feel the need to do or say something to get someone to approve of you or like you or think you're a certain way? See, when we do that, that's that's old thinking. Because if I'm a new creation, then I'm I'm perfectly and wonderfully loved by the Creator of the universe. The one whose only opinion counts accepts me in Christ. See, when I do that, that's, that's old thinking and new thinking says, I don't need to do anything to impress you or get you to like me or get you to think a certain way about me because the God of the universe loves me and cares for me. And my thoughts are not about myself. My thoughts are about you. I'm not concerned about how you think about me. I'm concerned about am I loving you, am I serving you, am I caring about you? So if that thought is ever in your mind, that's, that's old thinking and there needs to be some renewal. Second question. Have you been misunderstood and felt the need to justify yourself before someone else? Oh wait, um, that's not... Just, you just, whether, whether you really needed to set the record straight or not, and maybe you did. Maybe you really did need to set the record straight. Maybe somebody lied about you. Maybe someone said something that wasn't true and there's this overwhelming need of, I need to set that right. Whether that's a real need or not, that really is an old way of of acting. That's not new creation living, that's old creation living because you haven't bought into that the God of the universe says, I've justified you. And the God of the universe has said, I've taken care of any false statements. I've taken care of any slander. I've taken care of anything that someone might think about you that's wrong on the cross of Christ. When I feel the need to to make myself right in your eyes, that's, that's old flesh, old way of living. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want the truth to be out. It doesn't mean that... At times, we don't say things that are true or need to say, well, here's how I really feel about that. Someone has gossiped about me incorrectly. But the fact that we even have to do that means that we're still living in this world where those things tend to matter. Personally, that's difficult for me. But that's also old way of living. Do I really believe that God has taken care of all sin? Third question. Have you manipulated a situation to make sure you got your way so you'd be satisfied or maybe happy? Either through words or actions like dropping hints or even bribery. I don't necessarily mean money, but I'll do this if you'll do that. And the goal was so that I'll be satisfied or happy. See, that's, that's old way of acting. That's not new creation acting. That's I'm going to build the kingdom of self versus building the kingdom of God versus loving and serving somebody else. That's saying, I love me more than I love other people. We can ask a hundred other questions from as simple as Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever lied? Do you ever complain? All of those things they really show us is that we're still living like the old is real. And God says, I've made you a new creation. The old is gone. So what those questions do is they remind us, I need renewal. The good news is that God is a God who does that. In Exodus chapter 12, we read, These words, beginning in verse 1. now The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb... Your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in the haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you live, And when you see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then down in verse 21, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs, according to your families, and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through, pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood and the lintel on the, on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when He smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. The Passover was a new beginning for these people. Remember, they were enslaved. They didn't have any identity of their own other than stories that had been passed down. They had... Some bones of Joseph that someone had told him and they'd passed down over the last several hundred years. When you get out of here, take those bones back to the promised land. And I'm sure a lot of them said, Yeah, right, that's gonna happen. We're slaves, we're not leaving, we're not going anywhere. And yet God appeared, he showed up, and he said, This is gonna be from now on how you mark time. This is your new year. This celebration happens in the first month. And it's a new year because you're a new people. You've gotten for the first time your own identity. I've made you a certain way. And so this Passover was a celebration of newness. It was how they marked time. It was, and because of that, it was a, a sign, something for them to remember that God showed favor to them and not somebody else. Passover was a a rite that, that reminded them that God favored them as a people that He wanted to call to Himself. It's what allowed them to go free. They were slaves and now they were free. And finally, it demonstrated not only to the Egyptians, but to the world. Remember, the, the, the rumors had spread and, and went before them to the promised land. It was a demonstration of God's power. And all this idea of this newness, I'm making you a new people, I'm making you a nation, In one sense, they had been that, because God had promised to Abraham it would happen, but they weren't experiencing any of that. It was true because God said it was true, but in their slavery to the Egyptians, they didn't know it, didn't experience. And so the Passover was an opportunity for them to be renewed. We fast forward 1,500 years, and the Lord's Supper was the same thing. It was a a new beginning. So, Jesus and disciples are celebrating the Passover. And think about this. They've been doing something that the nation of Israel, the people of God, had been doing for 1,500 years. We've been celebrating the 4th of July for about 240. Right? So, add another 1,300 years to that. Can, Can you imagine this country, first of all, lasting that long? that we would continue to celebrate that, that beginning, in one sense, for 1,500 years. And if something is celebrated for 1,500 years, how entrenched that would be. You know, Jesus shows up, and He gathers the disciples together, and He says, I'm going to do something new. And that in and of itself would have been enough for some of those guys to say, you know what, we've followed you around for three years and you've messed with a lot of stuff. You've messed with the Pharisees, you've messed with the temple, you've messed with a lot of stuff. But this is our identity. How dare you mess with this? And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what sort of set Judas off. Finally was the straw that broke the camel's back and says you know what, I'm going to go talk to some people to take care of this guy. He had the audacity to take the bread and the wine and re-image it and said, this is my body and this is a new covenant in my blood. They knew about covenants and they knew about blood because, see, the Passover led them out of slavery to Mount Sinai where God made a covenant with them through Moses and Sanctified it in blood, sprinkled blood on the people and on what Moses had written down. And the people said, Yeah, we'll do that. So they knew all about that. But Jesus, said, this is a new covenant and it's in my blood. Because he knew that we needed to continually be renewed. And now, what Jesus did, He didn't just take the nation of Israel and make them new. He made, Paul would say, a new man, a new creation. From what Jeff read in 2 Corinthians, but also from Ephesians, that there's no longer Jew and Gentile, but God has made one new man, thus establishing peace. And He did that through the cross. So no longer is are God's people defined by ethnicity or geography. We're defined by Christ. All right, that's why it says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If anyone has aligned himself, has trusted in his death and resurrection for forgiveness of sins, he's a new creation. See, we're not defined by a boundary anymore. We're not defined by the color of our skin or who our ancestor is. We're defined by Jesus. He is the new Passover. He's the one that protects us. And so those same four things that were true about Passover are true because of the Lord's Supper, because of what Christ did on the cross. Right? We mark time now based on Jesus. Right? This is the year... 2015. Why is it the year 2015? Right? We don't mark time by kings anymore. We don't mark time by empires anymore. We don't mark time by the Passover anymore. We mark time by Jesus. Now, the scientific community has has decided they don't like that. They don't like B.C. and A.D. And they've changed it to B.C.E. before the common era. And ACE, after the, or just CE, the common error. But if you ask them, well, but what is that from, right? Well, they've got to admit, well, that's Jesus, right? They can't tie it to an emperor. They can't tie it to anything else, but, well, we've just changed the name because it makes us uncomfortable to mark time by Jesus. But that's what we still do. We mark time by Jesus. The cross demonstrates God's love not just for His people now, and God's favor for His people, but God's favor for the world. It's something new, it's something different. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The cross sets us free like Passover set them free from the Egyptians. The cross sets us free from sin. And the cross doesn't just demonstrate power over a certain nation like the Egyptians or over certain false gods, but really over our, our real enemy, it demonstrates power over death. So if we go back to Second Corinthians, if we align ourselves with this Jesus, then we really are new creations. The old really has gone, but like that new house, we tend to bring in other stuff. And so this idea of not just Passover and the Lord's Supper, but really throughout Scripture of God trying to renew His people, either through prophets or priests or kings, messengers, part of the application for us today in the 21st century is, are we in the process of renewal? And so what we need to do as God's people to prepare for the celebration of the resurrection We need to focus on the idea of renewal. To prepare for the celebration of the resurrection, we need to focus on the idea of renewal. I want to give you four things to think about as we think about renewal. Number one, do you believe by faith that God really can make things new? Do you believe by faith that God really can make things new? Some of you, had conversations over the last couple of weeks, have experienced that. You've known people who've come to faith in Christ. You've seen change. You've seen something that you never thought would happen, happen. Some of you are sitting out here and, and you need to, by faith, accept that. There are some of you who don't have a relationship with Christ. And He longs and desires for you to know the joy of what it means to trust Him and to be filled with His Spirit and to walk with Him and know what joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control looks like and feels like. It is as simple as Trusting in His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins instead of in ourselves. By faith, do you believe that God makes all things new? Some of you have done that and that there's this struggle that goes on of, I don't feel new. And so you wrestle with those feelings of I know God says this, but I'm not sure that I buy it. I'm not sure that He really loves me. And so the second thing, some of you need to accept by faith that He has made you new. That you have been justified. That you are forgiven. That shame has been wiped away. That sin has been dealt with. That death is no longer our enemy. Some of you need to spend some time in this Word meditating on the truth that He loves you and cares for you and has sent His Son to die for you. So why would He not also freely give us all things? The third thing we need to do is participate in the act of renewal. Right? Because we do track in mud and dirt and sin and so as as Paul says, we need to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Some of us have allowed a lot of dirt to build up, and we need to be in the process of spending time in His Word, with Him in prayer, with other believers, having our minds renewed. This is like a, a good, really good bleach cleaner and a scouring brush to our soul. Right? For some of us the grime is built up and we need to spend time in this and allow it to cleanse us, to speak to us. Some of us need to be in fellowship with other people so that we can allow them to speak truth into our lives. I'm very thankful for two or three guys in my life that ask me difficult questions on a regular basis. I need that kind of cleansing and you all do as well. One of the one of the ways we prepare to celebrate the resurrection is we participate in ongoing renewal. Through his word, through prayer, through fellowship. The fourth thing is begin to develop a heart of renewal for other people. Two categories there. People for example in this room are you concerned about the dirt that builds up in your brothers and sisters' life, and are you involved in renewing them? Are you actively involved in coming alongside brothers and sisters in Christ and saying, let me help you, let me encourage you, let me challenge you? Are you involved in the renewal of others? But also, are you asking God to give you a heart for non-believers? Last Sunday night, Brandon challenged the youth to to pick one person that they know who's not a believer and commit to praying for them until God intervenes in their life. I know some of you are do that. There's people that you've prayed for for years and years and years. But if you haven't done that, if there's not someone that you're praying for, you don't know non-believers, number one, we encourage you to begin the process of finding... Asking God to bring someone along your path that you can invest time in. But number two, would you jot down a name or two names or three names and say, God, I'm going to pray for this person on a regular basis until you open their eyes. Would you begin the process of asking God to give you a heart for the lost that are around you? That they might be renewed, that they might become new creations. As we prepare to celebrate the resurrection in about six weeks, my prayer is that we would allow the fact that God is a God of making all things new help prepare us to adequately, I hate that word, celebrate, properly celebrate the resurrection. Because that really has, that really is what has made all things new. For us as individuals and for us as a, a community. Because none of you this morning brought in bulls and goats. You've been forgiven. God has made a way through His Son and that sacrifice that you and I might be free and clean and whole and sanctified. And so my prayer is is in the coming weeks we would allow that to just wash over us. Let let the truth of the fact that you are a new creation begin to prepare your heart to celebrate what we celebrate in about six weeks. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word. and I thank you that from the beginning to now you are in the process of bringing people to yourself and making them new. That you long for us to participate with you in the process of renewal pray for these, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would encourage them, that you would remind them of your love and your presence. God, I pray that um, you would open our eyes to see your glory, to see your majesty and to see your wonder. And may you be glorified in all that we say and do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.